This is On The Mat and In The Ring with Coco. I am your host, Coco. And today we are going to be talking about backlash. So I know I'm a little late, you guys. It's been so much going on with COVID. Work is crazy. Personal life is crazy. But let's just dive right in. So as you guys know, backlash took place this year, 2020, June 14th. So with this pay-per-view, if you guys remember, the match that everybody was talking about was the greatest wrestling match ever between the returning Edge, who had been retired for the last nine years due to not being medically clear for triple fusion neck surgery, and Randy Orton. So we'll get there, but let's start with the the pre-match. Did I just really say pre-match, you guys? Okay, so listen. <laughs> the- <laughs> Oh my gosh, you guys, that's, I feel so terrible for saying that. Okay, so um, you guys know the uh, match that takes place before the actual, you know, live pay-per-view event. So on the pre-show, it was Apollo Crews, who was the current United States champion, versus Andrade, who had Angel Garza Valley, and as well as Zelina Vega. So the match was a little under 10 minutes. You know, everybody went into this match pretty much thinking that, you know, okay, Apollo was going to be a jobber in this situation. Like, just kind of like, have you, if you guys remember the whole situation with Zack Ryder some years ago. So if you guys don't know what I'm referring to, and I don't know why I'm laughing, to be honest. This is not necessarily funny. But um, if you guys remember a few years ago, Zack Ryder was the Intercontinental Champion. So... Basically, what happens in this situation is that Zack Ryder ends up winning the Intercontinental Championship in a ladder match. So he wins the Intercontinental Champion belt and championship belt. I cannot talk today, you guys. And um, basically had the belt for 24 hours and lost it. So... This was one of those situations where I thought it was going to be the same thing where, okay, yeah, Apollo won the bell and then, you know, somebody else comes along and then he loses it. Seeing as that Andrade had already held the United States Championship, everybody kind of figured that's what the situation was going to be. Apollo prevailed and retained his championship. So let's go on to the actual show itself. So as you guys remember, there was a triple threat tag team match for the women's championships so i'm sorry the women's tag team championships i legit cannot talk today you guys like honestly i had some cake and it has some hennessy in it so i'm a little tipsy um so let me rephrase (laughs) the it was a triple threat tag team championship match for the women's tag team championship titles so it was the current champions bailey and sasha banks versus alexa bliss and nikki cross versus the iconics billy k and peyton royce um honestly i am not gonna lie as much as i love sasha and as much as i like bailey I honestly did not think much of this match going in, so I wasn't really expecting anything. Um, Let me take that back. I had very low expectations, but it was so low to the point where I wasn't going to get my hopes up in the slightest. The match was uh, uh, almost 10 minutes, 
and the match was terrible. It was very poorly worked. I'm not really a huge fan of the Iconics. I really believe that at that time they were off. I just think they were vacationing, in my opinion. I have no idea what they were doing, but I feel like they should have been training because, in my opinion, the Iconics do very sloppy work when it comes to the tag team titles. And just in general, I feel like they just as a tag team, like, and even individually, they don't really do good ring work to me. Um, I feel like they definitely need more polishing. I feel like they need a little bit more training because everything's kind of awkward with them or it's just like it looks planned. Like, it just looks really bad. Their ring work needs some actual work. Um, With Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss, them as a tag team is just weird, but it's not the first time we've seen weird tag teams. Need I say the Rock and Sock connection? Like, we've seen some odd teams work out before. Um, Anybody who knows me knows I am not an Alexa Bliss fan at all. You know, uh, I'm definitely the type of person I give credit where credit is due, but I definitely don't feel like credit is due in that situation. Um, With Alexa, I feel like a lot of her success has come from her looks but honestly and I really hate to say this but there were rumors going around for a long time that you know she was sleeping with people to you know further her career and honestly I for some reason I believe it it's usually I don't believe that type of stuff but for some reason I believe that and that's a whole nother topic that we'll get into at a later time um Nikki Cross she's raw talent I feel like if Nikki got a bit more training and uh, a bit more experience, actual like ring experience, like on live TV, I feel like she could really be like a future actual like women's champion, like Raw Women's Champion or SmackDown Women's Champion. I feel like she could really, really be a great champion one day if she put a little bit more work in. Um, Again, the match was just poorly worked. Uh, Sasha and Bailey retained. So I'm not complaining about that because I love Sasha and Bailey. Um, So that match, in my opinion, was definitely a D. Um, Then you had Sheamus and Jeff Hardy. The match was a little under 20 minutes. Uh, Sheamus defeated Jeff Hardy. I feel like in this particular situation, there wasn't enough buildup. I feel like the story was thin between them. I mean, let's be honest. If you're an actual, a actual wrestling fan, you know that sometimes matches are just thrown together last minute. You know sometimes if somebody might get hurt or, you know, something just might change randomly backstage. And then there's like, you know, this person in a match that wasn't supposed to be scheduled in a match. It happens. So I don't necessarily get mad about that. But I feel like if you're going to try to make something a grudge match or an intense situation when it comes to a match, I feel like there has to be time for buildup. I feel like if you're going to do like a pay-per-view feud match, I feel like there has to be a decent amount of buildup before the actual pay-per-view. So since this took place on June 14th, which we all know was a Sunday, pay-per-views are always Sunday, I feel like there should have at least been a good month of buildup at the least and honestly that's pushing I feel like maybe a good month and a half but a good month of consistent 
feuding, not, oh, like, yeah, you guys feuded one week, and then it was, like, nothing the next week, and then it was, like, yeah, you, you feuded the week, and then the week after that, so, like, only three weeks, technically. I feel like there needs to be a good, solid month of feuding. At this time that we're in with social media being really big, you know, usually social media plays a huge part in that. I feel like they only do it with the women. Like, yeah, we see it with the guys, too, but not as much. And I feel like it's only like you only see it with the guys when it's like two big names a lot of the times. And in some cases, if the names are big enough, they don't need, you know, social media if the storyline is good enough. But I feel like they need to utilize that more with the men as well. So I feel like that the match is very paper thin as far as the quality. Um, I will give that match, honestly, a C plus for the simple fact that. They're both amazing talents, but I just feel like that the you know it was rushed um, for some fact again it, there was no real build up there, so I feel like they could have did a little bit more better. Creative could have did a little bit better with the you know timing and the build up and everything. So we'll let that stay at the C plus. Then there was the Raw Women's Championship match, which wasn't even ten minutes, uh, which was Asuka, who's the current champion. If you remember. Asuka became the Raw Women's Champion back in May after Becky Lynch had to vacate the title due to her being pregnant. And the Money in the Bank match was actually for the Raw Women's Championship, which we didn't know until the next night on Monday Night Raw. Um, Asuka defended against Nia, the returning Nia Jax, who's been back for a few months. And it ended in a double countout. Um... I feel like the double countout wouldn't have been as upsetting... If the match had went a tad longer, like it sucks too when a match is like really freaking good and it ends like, you know, in a bad way, people get upset. But at the same time, they're like, OK, well, this is just like, you know, prolong the storyline or this at least give us another good fight. I feel like if the match was maybe. I'll say if it was probably like at least 12 minutes, then that would have been cool. Like, I would have been okay with that. The countdown was just, it came off kind of weird. But also, the only reason why I didn't really get too upset about the countdown is if you guys remember, and if you follow a lot of the backstage stuff, uh, there was, what is July now? So, a couple months ago, it had been um, made public that Vince had instated a new rule that referees are to count you know, both wrestlers out, even if it's not part of the story. Like, if they can't get back in the ring and that's not how the match was supposed to end, then they're still counted out, which I think is kind of a stupid rule. But, you know, what do I really know? Um, You know, they ended up having a match the next night on Monday Night Raw um, and Asuka won, but it was very poorly worked, in my opinion. It just... It just didn't come off organic. There was no chemistry there. The timing was off. Like, it just, it wasn't butchered. The match wasn't butchered, but it definitely could have been better. That is for sure. Um, Then you have Braun Strowman, who's the current Universal Champion, versus The Miz and John Morrison in a handicap, two-on-one handicap match. The match, again, less than 10 minutes. Do we even have to comment on this? This was such a joke from the get-go. At this point, I feel like WWE is just... just I feel like they're letting a five-year-old book a lot of these matches at this freaking point. Because a lot of this 
stuff is trash. It's just pure shit, to be honest. Like, nobody cares about The Miz and John Morrison going against Braun Strowman. Like, it was no build-up, really. It was just very janky. We'll just just push ahead, because that was just very janky. Um, then you had Drew McIntyre, who was the current WWE champion, versus Bobby Lashley, who was being valeted by MVP. Uh, the match was a little under 15 minutes. And to be honest, again, here's a match where it was just like it had so much potential to be a really good match. And it honestly was not that good of a match. Um, Drew McIntyre is a great athlete. His style is so much different from what it was back when he was with the company almost 10 years ago. Um, as you guys know, he left the company back in 2013, I believe, when he was teamed with Heath Slater and Jinder Mahal, and it was 3MB, the, you know, the three-man band. Um, he was pretty much a joke back then, to be honest, and, um, you know, so was Heath Slater and Jinder Mahal, and you know, it's like a lot of the times I look at some of the people on the roster and I'm like, why would creative or why would Vince, you know, have this person who clearly has so much talent, like in this like, you know, joking role like this, you know, jester, court jester role. Like it's just, it's terrible. Um, I feel like since Bobby Lashley's return, he's just been made a, a joke of. I don't feel like they've let him showcase his talent properly like you can't build him as the almighty Bobby Lashley and this this like you know champion that this like this big you know personality who's destructive and you know he's losing to people like half his size or like a third of his size half the time in this case Drew McIntyre matched up pretty good with him um again the chemistry was just not there there was no real build-up and again I don't have an issue with matches just being thrown together but I feel like there has to be some type of chemistry there and they should have tested the chemistry better between them two because this was freaking terrible um honestly in my opinion the last match which was the best match of the night was the thing that everybody wanted to see that everybody talks about the Randy Orton versus Edge in the greatest wrestling match ever. Uh, the match was literally almost 45 minutes. I think it was about 44 minutes and like 40 seconds or something like that. It was literally almost 45 minutes. In my opinion, fantastic match. Um, as far as it being the greatest wrestling match ever, I think it just really depends on who you ask. Uh, I mean, it was a phenomenal match. I will definitely give it that. Um, there has been some matches over the years where I'm like, wow, that was a great wrestling match. You know, um, both of them are very athletic. Uh, they aren't deemed, uh, you know, Randy isn't deemed as a technical wrestler, but uh, he has a lot of technical traits when it comes, you know, to wrestling. He has a lot of moves. Um, Edge, just both of them are veterans, to be honest. You can't say one is a veteran and the other is not. Both of them have you know, worked with the company and in the industry for a very long time. So, I mean, you have two veterans here. You have one Hall of Famer. You have, a, you know, another who is Randy, who's a future Hall of Famer, clearly. And, I mean, this match just <laughs> had me all in. Like, I was had my glass of wine and I had my turkey ribs. And, you know, let me tell you, I was all in. I was for it. I didn't know who to root for. You know, I've never necessarily been a Randy Orton fan, but I've always admired his work. 
his character uh he he definitely brings something to anything he does he's withstood the test of time in the company you know he's had his injuries over the years as well but you know randy always delivers so i will give him that he is one of the few that can always deliver no fucking matter what so i will definitely give this match an a freaking plus i will give a five stars out of five for the simple fact that it was not one thing in this match that fucking disappointed at all so I will definitely have to give credit where credit is due on this. So that's one of the best matches I've seen um, throughout the years. Definitely a fantastic match for sure. Like nothing went wrong in that match in my opinion. Um, Overall, with the pay-per-view itself, I would rate the whole pay-per-view as a C. A solid C. Um, It's just that it just, it was a lot of poor booking. A lot of poor booking, a lot of paper thin storylines and beefs like it was just it just all seemed very thrown together and it was just very crappy to be honest the only highlight of that pay-per-view was the randy or an edge match which stole the whole pay-per-view in my opinion um i definitely look forward to seeing what edge does going forward i would love to see who he wants to face like he has already mentioned when he first came back who he was looking forward to getting in the ring with. And I would love to see those matches. I would love to see him with Ricochet. He mentioned that that was one of the people he wanted to face. I would love to see him um, work with AJ Styles, which at this point, I don't know how it's going to be possible since that, you know, uh, the situation with Paul Heyman and AJ happened. AJ decided to go to SmackDown. So we have to find a way to make that happen for sure. Um, and honestly, like, I, (laughs) I think I just might get on Twitter and start blowing their page up because that's one of the matches for sure that I feel like absolutely has to happen before Edge decides to walk away for good. Like, AJ Styles, Edge, like, that match would be freaking awesome. Like, I don't want to say phenomenal since, you know, everybody, you know, the AJ's thing is, like, a phenomenal one, but... That match would be freaking amazing. Like, that would be a top-tier match for sure. I can guarantee that. Um, gosh, who else? Uh, I would love to see him face Seth Rollins, of course. That would definitely be a great match, in my opinion. Um, I would be so curious to see how he would match up against Kevin Owens. Somebody's like Kevin Owens uh you know fellow canadian as well um well you know edge's case not my case but edge's case um gosh it's so many people i'm thinking of i don't even know who choose. i honestly would love to see edge work with roman in like a one-on-one match um I would love to see, and it sucks because Dean Ambrose is not there anymore, and I would have loved to see Edge and Dean Ambrose do something. It would have been great to see Edge and Chris Jericho as well, but as you know, Chris Jericho is also no longer with WWE, but with AEW. Um, but I there's like a whole slew of people I would love to see him face, and uh, I, I think it would definitely be worth it. Um, Edge looks phenomenal like he is in some of the best shape of his life at 46 years old you know having been retired for almost 10 years and you know even though he's been working as an actor you know it's like he hasn't been able to do that ring work so it would be great to see what he can do because he clearly still has a lot left in the tank um 
going forward. I definitely hope that, you know, with the other pay-per-views we have remaining with the year, the WWE can make some better booking decisions, but we'll just have to wait and see in this case. So you guys, this episode is going to be a little short, but this was the review on Backlash 2020. And remember, I am your host, Coco, and this is On the Mat and in the Ring. This is On the Mat and in the Ring with Coco. I am your host, Coco. And today we are talking about the horror show at Extreme Rules, you guys. Today is July 20th, Monday. Yesterday was the pay-per-view. And it was so much weird stuff going on. Like, the poster was weird. The name was weird. It was all weird. Like, just super weird. So, let's just dive in here. So, you guys, as you know, the matches were... Uh, a tables match for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships, a singles match for the Raw Women's Championship, a singles match for the SmackDown Women's Championship, a singles match for the United States Championship, the Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio, the eye for an eye match. Uh, and then you had the Extreme Rules match for the WWE Championship between Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler. And finally, the Swamp match with Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman. <clears throat> and, you know, honestly, that whole tables match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, you guys, was one of the worst matches I have ever freaking seen. It was one of the most disappointing matches it's so much potential in this match, but for that match to be the way it was, I am just horrified that something that had the potential to be so amazing went so freaking wrong. So, as you guys know, Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura challenged Big E and Kofi Kingston to the SmackDown Championship Tag Team Championships. So, here's my problem. I love the new day. No problem there. Cesaro and Shinsuke, I feel like they're great individuals. As a tag team, in my opinion, they don't mix. The chemistry isn't really there. It's like the storyline is kind of odd. Like, it's just super weird. It's just super weird. Like, I'm glad that Sami Zayn is nowhere to be found in this equation right now because the whole Cesaro, Shinsuke, Sami Zayn thing, which is also weird, it's still weird, but whatever. This match was... Roughly about ten and a half minutes, um, with Cesaro and Shinsuke coming out on top and obtaining the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, because, um, in my opinion, Kofi just wasn't paying attention. The way the match was worked was very odd because at the end it looks like that Kofi and Biggie was supposed to lose. It's just the way... If you saw it, you saw how the ending was. It's like, you know, they were... Uh, Biggie was setting up to try to... to try to put Cesaro through the tables. And then someone... Now, Shinsuke came out of nowhere, but Kofi was too busy running his mouth. And then, you know, Shinsuke, you know, acted as an anchor to keep Cesaro from, you know, getting pulled over, you know, to fly through the tables. And... You know, then Kofi got involved and he ended up getting his ass kicked and, you know, Kofi ended up getting put through the fucking tables. It was just really freaking weird because it looked like Kofi was just doing stuff like he was supposed to be distracting stuff. It was just really odd. 
in my opinion, that match was T to the terrible, honey. Okay, that match deserves a D, a D, a solid D for damn, that was a bad match. We're just going to go ahead and move ahead. Next, you had the singles match for the SmackDown Women's Championship, who is the current champion, Bailey, who was being accompanied by none other than the legit boss herself, my girl Sasha Banks, and Nikki Cross, who, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. <laughs> Bailey was fighting against Nikki Cross, who was being accompanied by Alexa Bliss. Um... Match was roughly about 12 and a half minutes. The match was, it was okay. It's, um, I expected a lot more. Bailey is definitely one of the best competitors I've seen. I wish she wouldn't be so stiff sometimes. Uh, but Bailey is slept on, in my opinion. Like, Bailey is like the real freaking deal. Bailey has, she, she has it. She just, I don't even know the words to use. Bailey has it, okay? She knows how to come through in a fight. Bailey can get the freaking job done. I love Bailey. I've always loved her. I never really cared too much for her hugger gimmick. Like, it was kind of cute at first, but it kind of got annoying after a while. So I was kind of glad when she gave up on that shit. Um, I didn't really like the haircut originally, so I'm glad they made her get a cut again because that shit was terrible. That old lady Bob was weird. Um, and it's not like the Bible is bad. It's just that, you know, everything doesn't work for everybody. Like I've worn that type of Bob, but it works for me. Like certain stuff doesn't work for people's facial, certain facial features. And Bailey's an attractive woman. That Bob just didn't work with her facial features. The shorter hair highlights her cheekbones. Like it gives her a better look. It it doesn't draw from her face. The problem with the bob originally was that it drew from her face. Um, I know that's not the topic right now, but Bailey, the point is she is a true competitor. She has the heart of a lion. She is vicious and people sleep on her. I think that's why she has gotten so far in the company, why she's had so much success, because Bailey has it. It's just that people don't see it, which is a good thing, because real power doesn't have to say it's power. It just has to show its power when it's actually time. And Bailey pulls that off very well. Um Bailey ends up winning the match because Sasha, you know, slid her one of her rings, you know, the boss ring, and she punched Nikki in the stomach, and, you know, she was able, you know, to get the pinfall. Um, yeah, it was cheating, but let's be honest, even back in the day, you know, let's let's not forget, we got people like Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho, even the Rock at Times, Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, some of the greats that were cheating, you know, here and there. And that's the great Booker T, the five time, five time, five time, five time, five time, five time champion would say, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So <laughs> listen, I'm here for it. I was definitely okay with it. I mean, her and Sasha are healed right now, so it makes sense. Um, I definitely felt like the match could have ended different, like, because the match was going pretty good, and up until that happened, it just kind of threw it off a little bit, but Bailey retained. I feel like the best booking decision was for Bailey to retain. So, um, Nikki 
she definitely she definitely shows something in this. I, I've said before that I feel like she is championship material. I feel like if she was to get a little bit more training on her um on her off days, um, if she was able to, you know, get a little bit more polished as a you know, as a as an athlete, I feel like she could go far. And I really don't want this to be taken the wrong way because I don't mean this the way it's going to sound. But if she was to lose a little bit of weight, I feel like it would help her out a little bit. Like, I feel like it would help her be a little bit more agile. Or even if she just, you know, did maybe some polymetric workouts, that would probably help her with her agility a little bit. Um, But I feel like if Nikki was a little bit more agile, it would give her a better edge. She would definitely have a better edge, which would help her chances in certain situations um I definitely I mean again I don't feel like she has to lose weight that's not what I'm getting at here um it's hard to say when you're not the person or you don't work with the person because you know I don't know her but um she seems a little slow sometimes when she goes to do certain stuff so um I'm not sure if it's I mean it could be an injury for all I know that's causing her to be slow but um not necessarily again saying she has to lose weight but even if she just did some different workouts maybe it would help her agility a little bit more I just feel like if she got her agility a little bit better if she worked on a little bit more it would help her out a lot and I feel like it would give her the actual edge that she needs to become that champion one day um so I feel like Nikki has nothing to be ashamed of she did a great job in my opinion um I'll give that match a a, a B minus because I feel like they could have did a little bit better, but it was still it was still watchable for sure. Um, we had the match for the United States Championship. Uh, the current champion Apollo Cruz, who was supposed to be defending against MVP Montel Vontavious Porter, if you if you guys want to say it that way. Um, where do I even start with this? So you guys remember last month, Bobby Lashley attacked Apollo Crews and, you know, put him in a full Nelson. You know, they're claiming injury. So MVP decided he was the champion and took the belt and ran off. Um, Not really sure what to say to that. It wouldn't be the first time we've seen somebody become champion that way. So it's not like it's too far-fetched, but we'll see what happens tonight on Raw. Um, I'm not really sure. They didn't really give much information. They didn't say if he was going to be back or anything. But when uh, MVP did take the belt, they said that Apollo was still a champion. So they're making it seem like he's not going to be out long. But again, they didn't say much. So who knows? Uh, we had the eye for an eye match with Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio. Honestly, guys, I'm not gonna really going to say much about this because I feel like this is one of the worst booking decisions they could have ever made. Before I even talk about the match, I'm just going to straight up. Oh, okay, let me go back for a second. The MVP Apollo Crew situation, that's just straight up a fucking F. Because what the fuck is going on with that? That's F for what the fuck is going on. Uh, the Seth Rollins and Ray Mysterio eye for an eye match, I'm going to just give the grade right now. It's a fucking F plus, period. Because, again, what the fuck is going on here? That's probably one of the worst booking decisions I have ever seen in my life. Like, I have no idea what is going on with that. I don't think I've ever been that confused in my damn life. Like... I was so confused to the point where I was asking other people, like, does this make sense to you? Like, I was so freaking confused. I'm still confused. Um, I feel like... I feel like they just were trying to... 
was I feel like they were trying to piggyback off of something that was really nothing. Like, yeah, y'all tried to go for the angle because when Ray's eye got hurt, you know, with that stuff the stuff did. But it's like an eye for an eye match. Like, let's be honest. We know, like, no matter how dumb you are, you can't really believe that you're going to be allowed to take somebody's freaking eye out. Like, there, like there's going to be some legal ramifications. Like, let, let's just be honest. There, it's supposed to be a PG thing. Like, it, it just kind of doesn't make sense. I don't know who the fuck came up with that idea. But whoever came up with that idea, and I don't care if it was Vince and stuff, that was by far one of the stupidest fucking things I have ever seen in my life. Um, we're just going to move past that. That match was like almost 20 minutes. That was like 20 minutes of my life. I can't freaking get back. So like I said, F plus for that. Um, I'm going to skip over uh, two matches, and I'm going to go to the last match, and I'm going to go back. So the last match was the Swamp match with Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman. I'm I'm not even a hundred percent sure what the hell went on here. Like, okay, straight up again, I'm just getting the match a gray before I even comment. Um I'll give it a C minus. Here's why I say C minus. I'm giving the match a C minus for the simple fact that and I really hate to say this. It's like, just, you can tell when I really hate to say shit. In this situation, I feel like due to the COVID-19, I understand that, you know, they have to work with what they got. It's only so much they can do. I get that. However, that doesn't mean that you have to be, you have to lack creativity. My whole thing is y'all just had a boneyard match at WrestleMania. Why the hell would you turn around and let them do a swamp match? Like, it just seems like you're running out of ideas. It just seems like you guys, it comes off as desperate. Like, the match in itself would have been cool if it hadn't have been still so close to WrestleMania. Like, let's be honest. What the fuck? You know, it's just like, I'm just really not understanding. Like, WrestleMania was just a few months ago. And it's like, I could have understood if this match could have waited till like TLC or something, I wouldn't even let this match happen at SummerSlam. Like, in my opinion, that's still too close. Like, I feel like with those matches, like with stuff like that, they're usually far and in between. Like, come on, the last time they even had a match like that was when um, it was it the Firefly Funhouse match. I wouldn't even call that it. Like, that wasn't even really a match. So let's not even count that. But even before the Boneyard match, the last time we saw something like that, and I could be wrong. So somebody corrects me if I'm wrong. But um when Bray Wyatt had did the whole storyline with Matt Hardy, broken Matt Hardy, and they did the uh they did the what was it even called? I don't even freaking remember now. Uh but they had the little fight or whatever out, you know, for the pre recorded fight or whatever. And that match was really freaking good. Like that match, that's, like, one of the best matches I have ever fucking seen. Like, that whole, like, the whole thing worked. Like, Matt Hardy with his broken persona, Bray Wyatt just being Bray Wyatt. You know, Jeff Hardy was injured at the time, but, you know, he made an appearance. And it was, like, the match was so freaking good. Now, another thing that stood out to me was... The fact that Eric Rowan showed up, which was strange. Because as you guys know, he was released 
back, you know, around WrestleMania when, you know, the COVID and shit, you know, started like ramping up and, you know, he was one of the people released. However, you guys also know there is a unnamed plaintiff that is suing current uh suing wwe currently and the only thing that they would uh the only thing they would release about the plaintiff was that they started with the company back in 2012 and that they were released you know with the covid here's the thing if you guys put two and two together and think about who came into the company in 2012 the only person that it could have been was air crowing because he was the only person out of those released, you know, superstars that had started in the company in 2012 that was released. So it was kind of like, okay, either WWE is stupid and couldn't put two and two together, or they put two and two together and they offered him the chance to see if it could possibly help them get back on good terms. Who freaking knows? But in my opinion... I really think that was very odd because if y'all didn't put two and two together, you are really wasting some brain power over there. Because for all those people to be getting paid as much as they are and nobody can figure that out, if they haven't, God bless you. If y'all did figure it out, and that's why y'all offered him the chance to come back. Because, I mean, we know Heath Slater, you know, he made the appearance, but, you know, he made his debut on Impact. I feel like it's just too much weird stuff going on. But that match, all in all, the Swamp match, you know, it uh it started with Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman. They fought, and then Bray sent, I'm not Bray, I'm sorry, Braun, see the bees. It's too many bees. Braun sent Bray on the boat. See, that's see three bees. Braun sent Bray on the boat um, across the little lake, and by the time Braun got over there, you know, Bray was missing, and then all of a sudden the thing pops up, and then we didn't see Bron, so we don't know what the hell is going on. Um, even though I feel like that match could have waited towards the end of the year, probably like at TLC or maybe even Survivor Series. Um, the match itself was good. It was a good match. Uh, the story, the storyline was already established months ago. Um, there's history there. Like, it made sense to people who already knew what was going on. So, I'll give that match a B plus. I don't give it an A only for the simple fact, again, I feel like it was just a, che- a cheap out for them to do something. And I felt like it wasn't even necessary because they just had a boneyard match. So, just because y'all basically had a boneyard match and it's just in a damn swamp does not mean I'm a roll with it, okay? So, um, I'll, I'll give it a solid B plus. It was, it was definitely... It everything was like hitting. It was hitting every mark. The chemistry was there, you know. the The storyline was good. Like it was a nice laid out storyline. The only thing is for me the timing of the fact that they chose to do this so close after they did the Boneyard match at WrestleMania. So that's really my only beef with that. Um, then the whole Drew McIntyre versus Dolph Ziggler and the Shane Rules match for the WWE Championship. <sighs> I really don't even want to comment on this again. This is one of those things I'm just like, I should just leave alone. Um, at this point, Dolph's been with the company for a very long time. He's been with the company for an extremely long time. Um, Dolph hasn't been like actual, like, world champion, like, WWE champion, world champion. You know, back then it was, you know, they had to actually be world champion. He hasn't been WWE champion. In a very long time, a extremely long time. Um, 
<sighs> I don't even I don't want to be rude and it's just like <sighs> I really don't want to be rude but it's hard not to it's just I feel like Dolph Ziggler is a great talent I sincerely do my problem with Dolph and the reason why he doesn't get pushed as much as he used to is because he oversells moves. He injures himself too much. He's so injury prone. And we all know how Vince feels about people who are injury prone. If you want those people who get injured every single time you're in a decently, I mean, let me not say decently. Every time you want, you want those people to get injured in a grueling match, like... Every time you're in a good-ass books match, like, where everything is perfect, like, the, the story's been laid out for a, a, a decent amount of time, like, it's with the right person you got the perfect chemistry with, you know, maybe you guys even got a little previous background, maybe for some years ago, even if it's just from a few months ago, it's like, it has the potential to be such a good match, like, but if you get hurt every time you get in one of those matches that can make your career or just be one, another thing you put on your resume, like, hell yeah, this was a great match, Dolph always gets hurt. Like, Dolph was on a roll some years ago. Like, Dolph has not been taken seriously since, like, maybe 2015. About 2015, 2014, something like that. I want to say 2014 because I believe that's when the Hell Sting showed up was in 2014 or something like that. But I just, (laughs) I don't... I don't understand, I just don't, I don't understand, like, why they would book this match, like, I get it, but I don't get it, like, yeah, it's, they have the history and everything, but it's just, it was a bad booking choice, honestly, like, it was a bad booking choice, like, Dolph was on that road back in 2014, you know, early 2015, and ever since then, he just, he just, it's it's just been, just really been trash, like, I don't, at this point, I don't know what's going on, I feel like what's happening to Dolph is the reason why so many people beg to get released from their contracts, or just asking, you know, can they be released, and then they're just granted it with no argument, and just go somewhere else, because, it's like you have somebody that has this talent and that connects with the crowd. They can give you a good match, but they aren't properly booked. They like it's just it's frustrating because you know Dolph can give you something and he's not being properly used. So yeah, it had the potential to be a good match, but all in all, it was not a good match. It was honestly pointless. I feel like it was nothing but a glorified squash match. Like yeah, the match was about fifteen and a half minutes, roughly about fifteen and a half minutes, but. It was kind of like, okay, yeah, you making it seem like Dolph only stood a chance because it, it was an extreme rules match. And even then, you just made it seem like, you know, Drew just laid him flat out. Like, I just don't understand. When we've seen Dolph go up against people, Drew's size or bigger, and he's been able to pull off the win. Like, it's just, it's real janky how they booking him. All in all, the match is going to get a D for me. Uh, last but not least, we're going to talk about the singles match, the match that everybody had been waiting for, the match that I was anticipating that I have been wanting to see for a very long time, the singles match for the Raw Women's Championship with the current champion, Asuka, was defending against the boss, my girl, Sasha Banks, 
And the you know, this match was really good. This like this match gave me what I expected. And cause the first time they had a match, oh my god, it was so great. Like it was hard hitting. It was fast. It was smooth. It was clean. Like it was like almost no mishaps. This match had the potential to be one of the greatest women's championship matches in history. And then it's like the booking decision that was made at the last minute, I'm assuming, for, you know, the ref to get, you know, get the, you know, get the green mist. And then, you know, Bailey taking off the ref's shirt and she was the ref. And I just feel like, what the fuck? Like, this has such great potential. And it's like they fucked it up. Like, even with the fuck up, how it ended... Okay, let me say not with how it ended. Because of how it ended, I'm going to give this match an A-. I want to give it a B plus, you guys. I really do. But the only reason why I'm still giving it an A- is because up until that point, this match was amazing. Like, this match was giving you what you expected. They were beating the shit out of each other. They were, They had the chemistry. They were delivering. It wasn't like these long, weird pauses. It wasn't a lot of talking. Like, yeah, you had some talking. You had some pauses here and there. But it all worked. The timing was great with everything. But the way it ended, that's what really messed it up for me. Um, You know, we've seen in the past where this has happened before in certain matches where, you know, people have deemed themselves the referee and it counted as the win. Um, because nobody came out to interrupt or say anything, we don't know how they're going to address this situation. So we can't for sure say that Sasha is actually the champion right now, just cause, you know, just cause Bailey did the count and said Sasha was the champion does not mean that that's true. So what I'm expecting is most likely tonight, they'll probably make Sasha and Oscar do the fight again, or they might push it to SummerSlam, who freaking knows. Um, honestly, what I'm hoping that they do is make them do the match again tonight with a clean winner. Um, I would have gave this match an A plus if it had been a clean match without all the hoopla. It was a 20 minute match. It was a solid match. Just that ending is really what kind of fucked it up for me, in my opinion. Um, I really feel like, I really feel like a good story between Sasha and Asuka was here like there in this situation it really didn't need any build-up that's the thing like there didn't have to be no weeks of back and forth for anything because if you guys remember when oscar first got put on the main roster you know sasha did challenge her they had a hard hitting match and sasha almost won but she lost and i mean that um, that right there would have been enough for me because if you guys remember at one point you know, Sasha came and, you know, died, do a suicide dive out the ring and Asuka kicked her and pfft, so, <laughs> Sasha was not the fuck out after that. Like she just fell out the ring. Just, it was crazy. Stopped her dead in the air. And I mean, shit, that would have been enough for, you know, them to just be like, yeah, Sasha, Asuka. That was, that's what, that's a prime example of you don't really need build up. Like that right there would have been good for me. So it's not like this match really need a build up. You know, they're two elite athletes. Like who doesn't want to see Asuka and Sasha, you know, take on each other at any given time. You automatically know that's going to be a great match. Uh, So for that, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens tonight. So we'll know 
what's really going on at this point. Um, again, Sasha and Oscar, in my opinion, stole the show. That was an amazing match. Uh, like, I definitely will say that the Bailey and Nikki match was a, a, a decent runner-up. Well, I'll say the Swamp match was a decent runner-up and... You know, the the Bailey and Nikki was a second runner, a decent second runner-up. But for sure, Asuka and Sasha stole the show, in my opinion. It was the only match that didn't have any missteps. It was very well worked. Like, the chemistry was there. The timing was right. Everything was on point about this match. The only complaint that I literally have about this damn match is how that shit ended. Like... I mean, we've had, like I said, we've had situations like this before, but it was just so freaking odd that it just, it just, it was too much. I feel like the only thing that made it is even more odd was the fact that there's not really an audience. You just got people like trainers and people from the training facility and some of the NXT people in the audience. So because there's no actual audience, like the lack of emotion and response was there. So I kind of feel like it kind of also messed up how we were really supposed to interpret it so there's you know there are some cracks in the foundation here but you know it's it's only so much they can do due to the COVID-19 so I can understand that I respect them you know really still trying to make an effort and I I feel like that we need to get some answers here so we can see what could be happening in the future. Like I said, I would definitely love to see them hash it out again tonight for an actual clean win. Or even if it's not clean, so it's just not as sloppy how it was, you know, with Bailey being the ref. Like, even if another ref had came out, I would have been okay with that. But for Bailey to interfere like that, it just kind of threw everything off. So... We'll see what happens tonight on Raw and see how we're going to move forward with this Asuka and Sasha situation. As the overall pay-per-view, I would give the overall pay-per-view a, a C+. It's going to get a C plus because most of the matches were poorly booked, in my opinion, again. And honestly, it just, again, they just need to work on it. It's just too many bad booking decisions here. But for the most part... It was decent. It wasn't a complete fail like I felt like Backlash was. But we'll see what happens at SummerSlam next month, you guys. I believe the SummerSlam falls on the 28th of... I believe it falls on the 28th of August, if I'm not mistaken. The 20... Wait, no. The 20... What did it say? That falls on the same. Okay, so August 23rd, you guys, is going to be SummerSlam. I just had to do the math in my head for a quick second. So August 23rd, SummerSlam. We will see what happens then. Hopefully, they get it together by that pay-per-view. So, again, you guys, this is On the Mat and in the Ring with Coco. I'm your host, Coco, and I'll see you guys next time.